Hey, what's up? How's everyone doing? Good? My name is Carter Moore. I was invited by BASIC to speak tonight. Uh, I might stammer, possibly even pee a little. Just kidding, Nick. Uh, let's give it up for Nick again. That was great. It does. It takes a lot of courage. I've been doing this for a little while, and uh, I still get really nervous every time, too. So I told Nick beforehand, if you're not nervous, you're dead. Uh, so <laughs> good thing is I'm not dead. And if you're not dead, you're not done. Feedback from this mic? I'll just move. I mean, the, the uh, title for tonight is I Am Sent, so I might as well go somewhere else. Thanks for laughing. <laughs> okay. So anyways, my name is Carter Moore. I'm on staff at Orchard Hill Church and Nazareth Lutheran Church. And uh, it's exciting to be here. Uh, we're in week four of our identity series. And uh, if you're new tonight, it's your first time or you haven't been here, that's okay. Um, we're glad you're here. I'll give a little recap of the, of the series and where we're at before we start tonight. Um, week one, Carla talked about this idea of being known. And that it has to start there. It has to start with the fact that we are known by the creator of everything. Um, he knows us intimately. He created us in, him, in his image. Uh, and we are his beloved children. It has to start there. Your identity has to start there. And then the next week we talked about this idea of being saved. And uh, what does that mean, to be saved? To be saved from something, for something. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, God's son. He showed us his love, how much he loves us through his son, Jesus Christ. His life, his death, and his resurrection. Um, and it has nothing to do with your works. It has nothing to do with your good looks or your actions or any of that jazz. Your degree, your pedigree, it's a gift from God, purely. And then last week, Sarah taught the first time here at BASIC, and she really nailed it. And she talked about calling, this, this word calling, and how it's uh, kind of become convoluted. Calling is more about... Um, you know, kind of a destination. But that's not true. In the, in the book of Ephesians, which we're walking through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, Paul says, our calling is to one hope, one faith, one Lord. And we have to return to that. We're part of a, a bigger body, a bigger family. It's not about us. It's not just about our church. It's just not about our ministry. Uh, we're part of a big family. And then so tonight we're going to talk about being sent. I am sent. So what does that look like? Before we get too uh, deep in it, I want to tell you a little story about a time that I went somewhere. Um, 2011, I believe it was. Is that right, Whitney? Yeah. Uh, Whitney knows because she went. But uh, I got a chance to go to Brazil. And uh, it was a very surreal experience. But I got to go to Brazil for two weeks. Um, Manaus, kind of in the heart of the Amazon River Basin. And it... It felt like I was in a uh, National Geographic like documentary. Like 98% of the time, that's what it felt like. I kept saying, I cannot believe where I'm at right now. It was just surreal. But uh, our guide, his name was Cobra. And Cobra, uh, that wasn't his real name. That was his nickname given because he had a giant pet snake growing up as a little boy. His real name was Adenir, but uh, Cobra. So anyways, he was our guide and he was also our interpreter. Uh, in Brazil, they speak Portuguese. And I don't speak Portuguese, so it was really great to have him. But uh, we would go along through the week, and he would say something to me, and 
I would give him the universal, yeah, that's okay. Everything's okay. And uh, he'd kind of look at me funny, and we'd keep going about our deal. And a little bit later, he'd say something to me or explain something to me or ask me to do something. And I'd be like, yeah, Cobra, that's cool. I got you. And this went on for three or four days, and finally we're in the, like, heart of the jungle. I'm talking deep in the jungle. No power. You poop in a can. Uh, ooh, poop. <laughs> Where's Zach Lilliquist? Uh, fish, fish for, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Fish for piranha off the dock. I mean, we're deep in the heart of the Amazon. If something bad happens, I like, I'm pretty much thinking it's over. Uh, tarantula is this big on our doors. Anyways, that really has nothing to do with the story, but uh, Cobra again says something to me. We're outside working and we're, I don't know, playing with machetes or something. And he says, you know, Carter, do this. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And he stops and he's, he's got a giant machete in his hand. And he's, <laughs> he gives me this look. He's like, you know what that means? I'm like, yeah, Cobra, it's like universal, A-okay, everything's good. He's like, no, my brother, this means butthole. <laughs> so for a week, all through these <laughs> tribes and villages and in the city, I'm walking around calling everyone a butthole. <laughs> so be careful where you go. Okay, teaching's over. Just kidding. So sent. Sent to do what? Sent to go where? Uh, the reality is Jesus gives us a really good picture of what it looks like to go in mission, but I can't read um, a whole gospel for you here tonight. He sums it up at the end of, of Matthew when he tells his disciples to go and make other disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey my commands. And then he gives them an encouragement. He says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of time. But, uh, so, there's a lot in that. Jesus was doing ministry for three years. So if you want to get a really good idea of what it looks like to go on mission, I really encourage you to read the Bible. Uh, start in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. If you're scared about that, find a friend. I'd be happy to read it with you. One of our staff, um, team leaders, I'm sure they'd be happy to read it with you. But I'm not going to try and give you a fluffy sentence tonight to sum up what it looks like to follow Jesus and go on mission. Because it's hard. And I'm going to talk about that idea. But in this uh, letter, in the book of Ephesians, which is a letter that Paul is writing, um, he ends with something that I think is something that every person in this room, whether or not you're following Jesus or call yourself a Christian, you can actually take this truth and walk out these doors tonight and apply it to your life, if you want. And it will make the world a better place. I, I truly believe that. Um, so if you have your Bible... You can open it up to Ephesians chapter 6, or a smartphone, or an old phone like Nick. We'll get there sooner or later. Ephesians uh, chapter 6, and we're actually going to start um, kind of at the end. This is kind of a weird chapter. And something cool about Ephesians is I was studying, our staff team was studying and, and reading this and learning. The whole first half of this book, the whole first half of this letter, Paul doesn't say one thing about people doing something. The first three chapters is all about who they are in Christ. The whole first half of the letter, he doesn't say do this, do this, do this. It's all, this is who you are in God's eyes. This is who you are in Christ. And that's why we chose this book when we're talking about the idea of identity. So 
chapter six is weird. Uh, I'm actually glad. I didn't know my kids were going to be here tonight, but they're here. So chapter six starts out with children. Obey your parents. This is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, but so Paul, it's like he's trying to squeeze. We do this when we're preparing a teaching too. We have all these good things we want to tell you, but we have to just get rid of stuff. Okay, we'll just save it for later. But it's like Paul's trying to get all this good stuff in one last uh, chapter here. Children, obey your parents. Uh, now parents, don't scold your children. Slaves, obey your masters. Slave owners, you must treat your slave rights. slaves right. Uh, then he gets into this like spiritual, mystical, metaphorical idea of armor. Um, and then he goes into prayer. And then he's like, peace out. It's just a really weird... So what we're going to do is we're going to jump to the end, starting in verse 21, verses 21 through 24. If you want to talk about the, the other stuff later, that's totally fine. I love coffee, so just uh, find me. Let's hang out. Starting in 21, this is what I want to talk about. This is the truth. And this guy's name, uh, who wants to try and pronounce it? Just shout it out one time. Good try. That's really close. Tychicus. Tychicus. I think that name's going to make a comeback. <laughs> Tychicus. Honey, you want to have one more? Tychicus. I, try, <laughs> I tried to get our last child to be named Malachi. She wasn't having that either, so I doubt Tychicus is going to go. Okay. Tychicus, my boy, who is a much-loved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work, will tell you all about how I'm getting along. I am sending him to you for just this purpose, to let you know how we are and be encouraged by his report. May God give peace to you, my Christian brothers, in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's grace and blessing be upon all who sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ. Sincerely, Paul. So that's how the letter ends. I love it. So what if, what if that was our mission? You know, what if that was what we were sent to do, to be an encouragement? What would that look like? So this idea of encouragement, that's what I want to focus on. And uh, I love how Paul ends the letter. Talks, talks about this idea of, of his boy, Tychicus, going back to the church in Ephesus to be an encouragement and to share about how they're doing. Um, so I think... Everyone in this room, if we took 30 or 60 seconds, we're not going to do that. But if I gave you a few moments, you would all be able to tell me a time in your life or multiple times in your life where you've been encouraged by someone or a group of people um, through actions, through simple words. Uh, maybe someone wrote you a letter that was very impactful, encouraging in your life. And I'm sure that it shaped who you are today and where you're going in your life. Um, Look at Paul's letters. The Apostle Paul, he wrote almost half of the entire New Testament. Every letter he wrote to the churches is chock full of encouragement. And it's not just all encouragement, because he's got a lot of hard things to tell these new churches and these new believers, but he understands the importance of encouragement. I understand it. My number one love language is words of affirmation. So encouragement is a really important deal in my own personal life. Um, just this week here in Cedar Falls Coach Pat Mitchell um, Cedar Falls high school football coach for 47 years he passed away he died complications due to cancer 
And if you go on Facebook and just, and social media and just look, the threads about him talk about how encouraging of a man and a coach and a person he was. And that's the kind of legacy. Sorry, guys. That's the kind of legacy I want to leave. Encouragement. I want to tell you uh, about a recent story in my life about encouragement, how I was encouraged by a little three-year-old girl. A uh, very good friend of mine, his uh, daughter was diagnosed several months ago with stage four neuroblastoma. And statistically, only one in 500 people that are diagnosed with this cancer live. And so the news of this cancer was obviously very devastating and heartbreaking to hear. And I, I can't personally put myself in their shoes, so I still have no idea the magnitude and the scope of the, the hurt and the, the fear and the worry that they're facing. But this little girl has gone through a living hell over the last few months. Um, she's suffered uh, surgeries and chemotherapy multiple times, radiation, stem cell transplant, at one point, it was so bad that she was essentially on her, on her deathbed. All the family rushed to Iowa City, and there was not a certainty that she would make it through the night. And they essentially said their goodbyes to her. And luckily, she made it through the night. And uh, she's taught me a lot about uh, joy and spirit and smile. And, in, and she's been an encouragement to me. Even though she hasn't said a lot of words to me, she has been an encouragement to me and to so many others. I mean, even people in this room I know. Um, so me, being a friend and a follower of Christ, uh, I said, I want to do something. You know, I'd like to help. Um, I don't know what. But a few of us had already signed up to run in the uh, Des Moines Half Marathon. And so we said, let's, let's take this race and let's run it for Team Addy. And uh, let's be an encouragement to the family. Let's be an encouragement to other people that are fighting cancer. Uh, my dad, he uh, died from cancer three years ago, so I have a little bit of an understanding what it's like, and I'm sure many of you, probably all of you, have been touched by cancer in some way, shape, or form. So we wanted to run this race, just not for us, um, but to be an encouragement. And so people jumped on board with this, and they said, I want to help, I want to get involved. Um, we made jackets. We made signs and posters to run the race. We encouraged and invited people to um, pledge dollars for every mile that we ran. And uh, we raised a lot of money. We were able to give the family a lot of money, but that's not even really what it's all about. Um, we got, even before we crossed the starting line, as we were standing there getting ready in a sea of thousands of people, um, you have people just randomly coming up to you who don't know you, and they're asking you, who is Addie? Tell me about Team Addy. Uh, and they would give you high fives and pats on the butt and encourage you and cheer for you. Random people on the sideline who don't know you yelling your name and yelling, go Team Addy. And the race starts off and we're running. And right away this guy runs over to me and he says, tell me Addy's story. And so we're running and I'm telling him the story and he says, okay, I'm going to pray right now for her. Never met the man in my life. May not ever see him again this side of heaven. So encouraged, I'm encouraged. We're running along, we're running along. We get to about mile six, and uh, we kind of, our group kind of breaks up a little bit. And I'm there with one other guy who's running with us. And ironically, his name is Paul. So it's Paul and I. And Paul starts encouraging me. He can tell that I'm suffering a little bit. Um, 
And so he, he, he starts speaking words of encouragement to me. He keeps reminding me who we're running this race for and why we're doing it. And so we go along and we go along and people are screaming and they're cheering and they're yelling and uh, at one point we get stopped. There's a man with a microphone and it's a big band shell where there's bands playing and he just, I'm, I mean, I'm in the middle of running and he just grabs me and he says, tell me about Addie. <laughs> and I can't breathe. But I managed to, to get the gist of the, of the story out and everyone just starts clapping and he sends us on our way and we're encouraged. And then we get to about mile 11 and I didn't train very well for this, for this run. <laughs> And so, and I'm not a natural athlete like Tyler. Tyler Jensen just shows up, signed up for the half marathon. He just shows up and says, yeah, I think I'm just going to go ahead and run the full marathon today. Never run one in his life. So anyways, I'm not Tyler. I'm mile 11. I'm really feeling the burn and the lack of training. My legs are on fire. My lungs are on fire. My head is pounding. And I've already made it up in my mind that I'm going to just slow down, I'm going to take a breather, and it's going to be fine. And then, so we decided to make these signs to carry with us. So I carried, the, and this is the actual sign that I carried. So I carried the sign with me, 13.1 miles. And in that moment where I was ready to quit, where I was ready to give up, I looked down at Addie, and it was as if she was speaking words of encouragement to me. She was saying, you can do it, Carter. Keep going. Don't quit. You know what I've suffered through. You know what I'm going through. Don't you dare stop. Keep your feet moving. Keep running. Two more miles. One more mile. Keep going. So for the last two miles, uh, there was kind of this unspoken thing with Paul and I. And literally, it felt like Hattie was carrying us across the line. Those last seven miles, our mile times got... Uh, faster and faster and faster for seven miles in a row. And if you know anything about running or training, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, but not for me. Because uh, I did, did not train well. <laughs> we were not training at that pace. And so we finished the, the race and we crossed the finish line and it was this kind of moment of euphoria and there was joy and it was bittersweet too because, you know, I'm holding the sign of Addie and I know where she's at and what she's going through. Um, and it struck me in that moment that this, this race is a metaphor for our lives. And Paul talks about that, how we are running a race. Um, and sometimes you just have to look down, and Jesus is going to tell you to keep going. Keep going. You're going to want to quit. I don't want to sugarcoat you and tell you that your life is going to be peaches and cream, and it's going to be a cakewalk, because it's not. You're going to face situations like Addie's. You're going to want to cry. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to slow down and stop. You're going to want to just take yourself out of the race completely. And just like Jesus said to his disciples in the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end, guys. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep running. Keep pushing. One foot in front of the other. So Jesus is this great encourager for us, right? And that's what he's calling us to do, to encourage each other, to keep going. Because it's hard, guys, I know. I've seen a lot of you, I see your faces, I hear your stories, how busy and overwhelmed and all the other stuff that's going on. You know, talk to someone today who ran into someone with their car. It's, who needs that? 
amongst all the other stuff you got going on. Who needs to deal with that? Keep going, guys. One foot in front of the other. So what's my mission? What am I being sent to do? Again, I'm not going to give you a, a one-liner or a, a simple path that I think you all need to go down. But I don't want you to get bent out of shape about where your destination is. Okay? Don't get all caught up in that. Because that'll, like Sarah talked about last week, that will paralyze you. That will paralyze you from even taking a step forward. I've personally only had a few times in my life where I've actually felt a nudge from God to do something or go somewhere. Only a few times, and I'm 33 years old. And I wasn't even sure, and sometimes I look back and I'm not sure if that was God. Okay, it wasn't a black and white billboard. So I need you guys to understand that. Some of you may hear that clearly, and that's great. Pay attention. Answer that call. Some of you may never hear that voice, and that's okay too. That doesn't mean that God is not with you. He's, he is. It's promised in the scriptures. See, God wants our best in this moment. Right here, right now. Jesus doesn't talk about tomorrow. He does once, and this is what he says about it. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough crap of its own. That's my translation. <laughs> I think it's Matthew 6, 34, if you want to look it up. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Be your best. Be who God made you to be. Right here, right now, in this moment. Uh, when you walked in tonight, I think most all of you got a puzzle piece. If you got that puzzle piece, go ahead and pull it out. Should take a look at it. Last week, Sarah talked about this idea in calling of a puzzle and how we, we are trying to constantly figure out uh, our puzzle, our life, what our story looks like. And that can be mind-numbing and it can be paralyzing. And so, and she's right, you can't look at it from that perspective. So I wanted to bring, bring that puzzle idea back I want to remind you that you don't need to try and put the whole puzzle together or see the whole puzzle. You just need to be your puzzle piece. Okay? Each, each of these puzzle pieces in this room are unique, just like each and every one of you. Each of these puzzle pieces are complicated and seem unfinished, just like each one of you. And each of these puzzle pieces, when they do what they were created to be, can create something beautiful. Okay? Go ahead and put that picture up there, Daniel. Oh, wait for it. Suspense. Boom. Puppies! You were not expecting that, were you? Okay, I tried really hard to find a Sistine Chapel puzzle, because that's what Sarah talked about last week, but Walmart had puppies. <laughs> but so cute puppies who watched the puppy bowl <laughs> just be your puzzle piece and you can be part of something beautiful and here's what I want you to do I want you to take, I want you to take this puzzle piece I want you to take it home with you I want you to put it on your mirror or tape it to your dashboard 
or get a tattoo of it. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Yeah, you can get a tattoo. It's okay. But take this with you, and I want you to remember it. Remember that you are unique. Just be the puzzle piece. Be you. Be who God made you to be, and let God use you to restore the world back to the original picture. And now may your identity be firmly rooted in Father, Son, and Spirit. And may you have the courage to be an encourager. Amen. Let's pray. Father, it takes courage to be an encourager. It takes courage to respond with kindness, especially when people hurt us, when they wrong us, even when they do it unintentionally, when they look down upon us, when they call us names, when they ignore us. It takes courage to be an encourager. Please help us remember that you promise that you will be with us always to the end of time. Please help us rest in that promise. Please help us remember that as we go about our daily lives, especially when hard stuff comes along. Help us turn to you for encouragement so that we can turn to the person in front of us and encourage them. Help us be a community where people know us as encouragers. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what he did for us on the cross and in his resurrection. It's in his name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.